Welcome to the Hotel Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Telford. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And here to mill over the last month with me, uh, I have returning panellists. So why did you describe yourself earlier? Was it Chatty Chapel Hall, Colin Campbell? A lot of alliteration in there. But Colin Campbell, welcome back. Thank you, Mark. Yes, a lot of C's. People have referred to me as a big useless C. So um I'll say no more than that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure in polite company they definitely wouldn't. Uh, and more alliteration. You guys are always. This is like the ant and deck of the podcast. It's always CC and SS on. So we've got Sean Smith. Sean, welcome back. Yeah, hi Colin. It's uh, uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to be back. And I'm sure if you um, want any names for myself, I'm sure my pupils would be happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Emma, I mean, we, you and I don't cut it, but Emma quickly, uh, fresh back from Montrose last night. How are you, Emma? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Um, long drive home, and I wasn't even doing the full distance last night, but um, yeah, we can we can get into that in a wee bit. Yeah, well, I mean, there we go. So the, we do a monthly podcast. Last month it was all uh, sunshine and and light and whatever else. We had two wins and two draws out of a very disappointing month I think when we did the look forward I was thinking well if we want to win this league which is a big ask then you need to go out and and perform when the teams on paper are easier that was just before the Edinburgh game <laughs> that uh, podcast went out so guys help me what what on earth has happened why is the why is the form been so bad over the last month uh, Colin you, I think you've possibly been to every game have you got any you get any hot takes, any insights for us as to what's gone wrong? Well, uh, in my car journey with the pensioners division, uh, the conclusion was that we lacked physicality, which I thought was a good word, i.e. we play lovely football when we're given the opportunity to play it, but we really like somebody who has got that kind of dig in the middle of the park and indeed uh, to some extent in defence, I think for Dice has said a a poorish start to the season. Um, so it's physicality and inconsistency of selection. My favourite is that I still think he plays players in the wrong position. I think last night it was a, an example of a Justin Devaney playing wide right. Uh, so when things come to his right foot, uh, he was unable to... We had a great chance in the first minute if it come to his left foot. Um, I think we've probably got too many left-footed players. I don't, I don't, so inconsistency of the selection. I don't think he knows his best team yet. Recruitment, a bit dodgy. But there's been some lovely football. I mean, there's been the goals he scored last night were really, really good. Um, so you go up and down because you think this looks like a, a really good side. We look almost as good as last season, but... There's something lacking. I think I said in Pine Bovril, there's something missing. Uh, I think it's probably a, another striker. So that's my opinion. 
what have you made of it? Anything you would build on to that? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you, Colin. I think there's definitely a, a lack of um, yeah, there's definitely a lack of steel um throughout the spine of the team, and I, I think you notice that especially in the defence, which I think is um, I, I think has declined since since last season. Um, I mean, if you look at the players in there, it's it's more or less the same the same unit that was there. You've still got for Dice, you've got McCabe, you've got Watson. Uh, you've got Ballantyne as well, who who was a fantastic signing, and I think anybody in the in the league and pro- probably the league above as well would have been uh, would have been happy to sign him. But uh, the, but the, the the goals we're conceding are, are really easy. They're really uh, they're really basic goals, and I think that was mostly apparent in the in the in the Edinburgh game. I think just about any team could have you know could could have put six or more. Past us that day, we were actually lucky they, they didn't score more. They, they could have done. Henderson made a few good saves, but I mean, about three or four of their goals were just they they won the ball in their own half, passed up the park, and then uh, they had a three on two, two on one, three on one man advantage or whatever. And one one of the players would just uh, pass along, and then the other player would pass it into the empty net. So I think definitely the um. Yeah, definitely the defence has been lacking. Um, I wasn't there last night, but the the goal at Kelty as well, that was a really, really easy goal. Um, the substitute, Aggieman, you know, he's a, he is a big physical player, but um, you and Devaney didn't really put up much of a much of a fight at all. It was almost like he didn't even really realise that, that Aggieman was there. Um, so that was a really easy goal as well. And that's, you know, when, when you can see goals like that, you know, you... you you, well, you have to give yourself a chance in, in any game. And if you concede goals like that, you're, you are going to make it harder for yourself. And uh, I think that is definitely something that's, that's different from uh, that's different from last season. Last season, you know, we, we, we played some nice football and, and whatnot as well. Um, but I, I think last season, we, we were definitely more difficult to beat. Um, and that, that, that's, not, um, that's not been so apparent so far. But as Colin says as well, I think, you know, as much as the last few results haven't been great there, there's been, there has been some uh, good stuff as well and when we have played well I think we've actually been really good and uh, we've really impressed got a, a couple of great wins against Falkirk and Clyde and uh, decent points as well at Dumfries and Dunfermline so there are there are positives there that, that I think we do have to we do have to remember but yeah certainly a few concerns and I would agree about the team selection as well I actually thought well when I saw the team initially last night I thought that that looked pretty good but yeah um Devaney being on the right, or you're playing wide right, don't understand that because he probably is, you know, the central midfielder that could give you a bit of physicality. So it seems a bit of a waste to, to put him out right, uh, to put him out wide right. I would also have McCabe at centre half as well. Yeah, that was the kind of feeling we all had in the, in the car was that McCabe ought to be playing in the back four, or if, you, if it's a back three. Um, he did have quite a good game last night in the second half, as indeed they all did. Um, but they, they just let themselves down. I think we get carried away, because I get carried away at two each. Um, and Montrose are, are streetwise and knew exactly what to do to, to get back into the game. Um, they, we could have been 3-2 up, but I mean, it was, it, it was frustrating. Frustrating. No wonder Emma was running along the terrace. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of whom, Emma, so you said don't come to me first on this question. You've uh, been everywhere. You've not missed a game yet this year. so I did miss Clyde. I'll Clyde the 5-0 because, of course, they would do that when I'm not there. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I don't, not really too much to add to what they said. I think the things that probably stand out for me and the things that I've kind of felt watching the last month's games is the physicality. I kind of felt like it's a little bit about, you know, a little bit, hate saying the phrase, you know, men versus boys out there. I do feel we get out-muscled a lot. And I think probably on the inconsistency point that we've been talking about, to me, it just it goes back to we have a very young squad. And with a young squad, with young loanees or you know, a lot of them are just coming into the squad for the first time, you're going to get inconsistent performances. So for me, the bit we've not touched on is I still think we're missing a core of more experienced players around them. I think, we, you know, we're, we're still, we're struggling to put out a bench, you know, it was a light bench against Montrose and that was before Frizzell got injured and before um, Dicey had to come off. Obviously, I think he took a, an elbow to the head or something. So that's probably... When I'm kind of looking back at the last month, um, I guess it's probably what you would expect with a, a younger squad with a lot of young players in it, as the inconsistency to perhaps come through, and and that's maybe what we're seeing now with this bumpy run. What do you think I think as well too. It's a it's a young manager as well, and somebody who is literally learning on the job. So that's going to come with with inconsistencies and and mistakes as well, and. Um, well, that was probably most apparent again in the Edinburgh game, um, when I think probably any other manager would have tried to tried to shut up Shaw, but a little bit, and obviously, you know, he was sticking to his guns and and, and whatnot. So, so, so that's gonna that's gonna come with with inconsistencies and 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 whatnot as well. I think and I, I think we have we have seen that so far, and perhaps even last night to extent. I think um, we were chatting about it on the kind of chat that we have we were, we were maybe chasing the game you know 2-2 two, two, desperate to get that winner when maybe we should just have settled you know settled down for a little bit and you know with a point up there have been the worst result in the world but I'm never going to criticise my team for, for trying to get a win that would, would take you top of the table but um, we've talked about high risk high reward before and you know some of these results I think um, are kind of borne out that way too I mean, had, had we converted any of those chances that you can see in the highlight, that kind of flatters us a wee bit because I wasn't always aware of how good those chances were. We would have, we would have, in fact, we should have been, it should have been 2 1 at half time, could have been 3 1 because uh, McAllister's uh, dink was brilliantly stopped by Ballantyne. Um, but every time Lewis, Lewis Jimmison scored a great goal, every time the ball came with his left foot, I'm thinking he's never going to score. Uh, so I was frustrated by it. If I he put one out for a shy at one point, which was an amazing, <laughs> amazing achievement. Um, so that I, that frustrates me. There's a few threads I think in what you've all said there. So starting on recruitment, we went on and on about we need to get people in, we need to get experience through the spine of the team. So it took a long time, but we did get. Aaron Taylor Sinclair, the happiest man in football, and uh, Charlie Telfer to, to join the squad, which does feel like that's more experience than, than what's there. The, looking at the recruitment, you're never going to get it all right, but what's your what's your thoughts on it? Uh, and I'll, I'll go first just to somebody who's seen one grand total of one game. Uh, the Loney market, which we used very well last year, Looking at what's happened to all those players we've had from Celtic, it seems to me as if not really trusting us with their young prospects who they fancy are going to go anywhere. So McEnroy, the interviews that he gave, 
the writing was clearly on the wall for him. Patterson, I thought, was going to go back to Celtic, but obviously didn't. Uh, Afalabi, I think you knew when he came, it was like he's, he'd been in Dundee and he'd been at Aaron when he was coming to us. Uh, he, so it's almost as if, are we Celtics... Bye-bye, Johnny. Uh, exit, well, are we Celtics exit plan? Is that like, okay, we've got this relationship with Airdrie, we don't think these guys are going to cut it, we'll get them a wee bit of experience there, uh, rather than what I would like to see us... Maybe Owen Moffat, <laughs> if he had come, Obi, he's left Celtic as well. But someone who does seem to be, they've had some first team experience and actually uh, they're more likely to kick on. Now, in fairness, McEnroy and Patterson, especially, were, were contributed greatly. So it was no burden on Airdrie taking them and giving them game time. Um, but how we're relying heavily on the loan market and I'm not sure if Celtic are maybe using us not in the way that, that, that we would we would intend. Um, so, yeah, what do you reckon? Loanies and those guys who have eventually got in, have they added to the squad that did so well last year? Uh, Sean, I'll start with, start with you on that one. Uh, well, I, I've probably been a bit more positive about some of the recruitment than, than most people. Um, so if you kind of compare it to last year's squad, I think Josh Ray, who admittedly we haven't seen a lot of, I think he's better than Max Curry. And I think Alex Henderson's better than Jay Cantley as well, um, given he's his direct replacement, really. And I've, I, I haven't seen, I, I wasn't there last night, so I didn't see his mistake uh, for the second goal, I think it was. I wasn't at the Alloa game either, so I missed the two, you know, maybe the two goals he was maybe culpable for. But the games I've seen him, I, I've quite liked Henderson. Um, as I said earlier as well, I thought Ballantyne was a was a real coup, actually. Um, Taylor Sinclair, uh, Josh Kerr is a better player than Taylor Sinclair, but Josh Kerr was was never fit for a whole season. So if you can get a whole season out of Taylor Sinclair, who I think's done fine so far, then you could argue that he's probably better. Uh, from that perspective, um, I think Jameson's better than Jordan Allen. Uh, Telfer's probably better than Agnew as well. Although I think, you know, there's some aspects of Telfer's game that, you, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get the, the physicality and whatnot that we were talking about earlier. But, I, you know, I think if I think if we're on top and we're, we're dominating teams like we were against Clyde, I think I think he'll do well in those sorts of games. Um, in terms, uh, and I think Devaney, I think Devaney as well, he's, he, he's, he's been very good actually. Um, certainly uh, done much better than I, than I expected. Um, based on the little we saw last season where I thought he'd done quite well but I didn't when he when he did play but I didn't think he'd have the sort of impact that he has had um so I think that's most people um Ben Wiley n- not been so convinced by him so far admittedly not seen a lot of him but um don't think he's added too much really um I mean when you compare him to McEnroy you know it's yeah. it's a real it's a real down, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you and Devaney as well. I, f- I don't think he's as good as uh, as what as what Patterson was either. Um, I, I actually thought in the first few games he, I thought I thought he played quite well. Um, he was maybe our most consistent defender actually for a while. Um, but since maybe the Dunferma game, I think he struggled a wee bit. But it, it's frustrating because he, he he does do good things in in every game. You know, whether it's winning the ball or getting into space or whatnot. But then you know he'll. Know, make a mistake or he'll put in a you know a rubbish ball or or whatnot which is I mean he's a young player so that's what's going to happen but it, it is frustrating um 
But overall, I think the, the quality of the recruits has been okay. I mean, I suppose the, the problem is really the, the, the quantity. I guess there's not a lot of players in the squad. I think there's, what, maybe 15, 16, something like that. So so it's not a lot. Um, so certainly if, if Frizzle and Fordyce are out, then, I mean, you're, you're pretty much down to the... Uh, you're, well, you're down to the bare bones already. So, so that um, so that could be a real issue. But I think actually, well, like I say, I've I've been a bit more positive about recruitment than than some other people. Um, but I, I think it is a case of you know we have to figure out what the best team is and how what sort of system is going to get the best out of the players that we have because there's enough players there from last season as well that we you know that, that we should be. We should be doing well, and we should be winning. Well, we should be confident of winning. Really, every well, maybe not every game that we play, but certainly, certainly most games that we play, I think we should be going into it without without any fear. Striking options. So like, we lost Ellen Easton, which for the first few games looked like it wasn't going to be an issue. I think when you see a game like Kelty on Saturday, where it was so tight and it just needed maybe a bit of magic to unlock a defence, um, especially with all the, the possession that we had early in the game. It looked like he might be a bit of a bigger absence, but this three up front sometimes, two up front at others, uh, Gallagher being in and out is kind of the main man. What do you think, Em, is, uh, is up front... Cause, uh, are we short on goals? Is that one of the big issues with the recent results? I think so. I mean, I think it's probably... A point I kind of made last night to somebody was, you know, it's, it's easy to maybe look at some of these young loanies coming in and pick pick holes in, in them. Um, but actually, are the players that were there last season that got us on this run, are they turning up the way they were last season? Are they performing to the levels that we had last season? And I'm not entirely sure that they are. Um, I'm not sure what that reason is. I just don't feel like um, we're quite hitting our stride up front the way we did last season with finishing. Um, alone saying that, you know, there's still, you know, Gal did some lovely work for, you know, his goal last night. Um, there's, there's flashes of it, but again, it's back to that word of inconsistency. Um, you know, when, when somebody does a job like Kelty did of you know closing Frizzle down it, it just it just seemed to shut that midfield down completely there was just no real any creativity um obviously kind of Charlie Telfer's came in and that was my first time really really seeing him um I just wasn't really sure if he was kind of going to do he's not going to do that job I don't think um he seemed to disappear for parts of the Alloa game and disappear for parts of the Kelty game and from looking at Falkirk fans they were kind of saying well you know that's that's kind of the that that happens kind of thing so I'd be looking for him to turn up a bit more than he is but I think it was it'd be Sean that said he's not going to be that big physical midfielder so we don't have Frizzle I'm not sure um, who that's going to be. So I've just been going honest round and round in circles with all these questions myself and not really coming to to a real answer. Um other than I think we need to look at the team as a whole, i.e. who's stayed as well as these young players in terms of what's led to the inconsistency in the performances. Um not a great fan of the three up front, to be honest. I tend to find them 
dropping very, very deep often, um, which, not, you know, I don't really want to see them in their own half of the park. But, um, you know, Gal playing a flick on to nobody because that's where he should yeah. be. Um, <laughs> not ideal. So I agree with Emma that uh, the big kind of disappointment is despite all his hard work, Callum Smith and uh, the goals he got were, were, were very good, but he's wasted having to track back and spend half his time, you know, back there. And he's always getting the ball with his back to goal. And then he has to go inside. And I think most first division teams have worked out that if you can drag him, get him to go inside, you can at least keep chasing him and block him and he doesn't get the shot away. So I think we're missing his pace that a Gallagher flick on would be good. Gallagher had three chances last night. He could have had two of them. Um, but when we played Gabby McGill there, Gabby McGill came on last night and I don't think he touched the ball. In that last period of time, so we're definitely weak in terms of playing a three. Jimson might do uh, up front, but he's he's far too left-footed, and he he's he always wants to have another go. Uh, so he frustrates me. But we we needed, dare I say, the big guy that came on for uh, Montrose last night, Craig uh, Johnson. We need somebody like that. Somebody who has got a physical presence up there, he get two goals out of nothing. Yeah. Well, not nothing from his point of view because he did the right thing. Um, but I think that's the, the low knees seem to me to have been quite good. I've got no no parfait a certain one, <laughs> um, but I it's, it's just kind of annoying. I, I think it's because we've got a player manager and an assistant player manager, and I don't think we've got. The shape, right? But that's me, buddy. I know. And that's and one of the points that you, you you all called out is youth. So Emma, you said men against boys at points, and certainly against Kelty, I thought they look like car horses at the back. And at one point in the first half, Gabby McGill got a run on someone, and I made him look like he was going through treacle. And I thought, right, that's it. We just need to get in behind them, get them turned, uh, and we'll be fine. But we didn't. Uh, and it was noticeable that they had a lot of big guys and we and they were happy to stay in there uh, in the formation for the first part of the game, certainly. Uh, and we, we looked like we didn't know how to break them down. So I guess that there's that there's two bits. So, Colin, you were in the pensioners' car. Does the, the, the youth, the, so many young players in the team concern you? And also the manager. So I think it's unlikely, but we all probably hoped with the start that he got off to that he was just going to be this guy who would take to like a duck to water. Uh, we'd have a season where nothing would go wrong and we would win the league. He's probably coming up to the first real test of his, uh, his short management career so far. Three back-to-back defeats uh, and the Edinburgh game and kind of his comments post that match. What do you make of it? Is, is it a concern that we've got such a young manager who's also a player manager, as you see, his assistants on the pitch as well, uh, and all these young players. I think it is a concern. I mean, I was, I was quite close to uh, Brian Prunty and David Hutton last night. And, I mean, I don't want a manager who rants and raves at the side of the touchline, but the contrast to Petrie, who was able to, you know, tell them what he was looking for uh, when we get back to two each, whereas... 
there was nothing like that coming for the the side of the pitch. And I think I think as fans, you're kind of expecting somebody at the side who's got a, a view of it. I mean, I think Reese is he's having to play the game and try and manage. And I do wonder about whether he he, he just is too. He always, I think he also wants to play. Seems bizarre. Too much football. I mean, you know, there, there, there are times when we should just be having a go at them, uh, certainly challenging them. But we, we kind of stood off them for the first the first fifteen minutes. Was just oh, I mean, Kelty was bad uh, in the sense of the result, uh, but last the performance against Kelty was miles worse than the performance last night. I mean, we never threatened Kelty at all. We did last night against Montrose, so. It's, there's just something needs to click. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, I think that is a problem, especially with him and for Dice being in that kind of position. Uh, but we definitely we, we need a we need a. I don't like four three three because it seems to me we just we just allow their back fours all the time as Kelty did just to sit there, just to, they don't have to do anything. They just have to be there, and then by the time we get up to them. They're in position to clear it, so annoying. And on that point, Colin. So this week, uh, Rhys McKee was interviewed on the Open Goal podcast, which some of our panels right. are big fans of, and some of our panels aren't fans of at all. Uh, but I thought it was really quite insightful. So they asked them about that. So they're kind of saying, "You're on the pitch, and your assistant manager's on the pitch. What, what's happening at the side?" Uh, and his answer was, well, we've got Brian Prunty and he's a really good guy to have about the place because he's really good at, at, at motivating people. And he's, as we see with Brian Prunty, he's really enthusiastic. And we've got Davy Hutton, who's just Davy Hutton, but the guys really like him. Uh, but then we're kind of pressing him on, right, and how does it work in game? Who makes the decisions? Uh, and, well, well, the answer wasn't that clear. He seemed to suggest, well, we'll wait for a, a break and play, and that actually, as you say there, like, well, Stuart Petrie's got licence to just control it from the side. Uh, on our side, it wasn't that clear to me, even having listened to the interview, uh, the extent to which Prunty and Hutton have got license. It sounded as if they wouldn't make any big decisions without there being a break in play. Uh, well, if and, the, the fact of the hardly any substitutes at Kelty, I found I found amazing. There we were. Uh, they were running the game in the middle of the park for almost all the second half, and we guys sitting on the bench <laughs> who had been in the team previously, uh, and all we got was Gallagher. And then Gallagher already have started, and that's, a, and that's another one of my kind of bugbears. He's he's now, I think, equaled Brian Prunty's goal-scoring record for Airdrie. And yet, here he is sitting in the bench. Whether he's unfit, I know, I don't know. But he didn't look unfit last night, I must say. That annoys me as well. And one of the other points sorry, in that open goal interview was uh, they were asking Reese when you're playing in the game, can you see everything? And he kind of said, well, you know, sometimes when I watch the the video back, I will see things that I didn't see on the pitch. So, Emma, I know you listened to that interview as well. Did, did, it, did it change your thinking at all? I mean, we're seeing all this after this kind of run of bad results. We discussed before, should he have an old head in the, in the stand, uh, a Sandy Clark or someone 
who can kind of run things during the game. Uh, and at the time we're saying, well, I'd have said yes, but actually he seems to be coping fine without it. Given the last three games, does there need to be maybe a bit more strength on on the bench or someone that you can rely on to see things? Yeah, I mean, I was, like most fans, I was prepared to come at this with a completely open mind. I mean, I think we'd all said at the time, and I listened back to a couple of podcasts before coming on this one, just to try and get a little bit of sense of perspective back after the, the kind of run of results. And I think we all said at the time, you know, that it was a it was a risk. Um, and I think having listened to the Open Goal podcast, I, I think we need somebody else. I do think we need a wise head on the sidelines. I guess the difficulty that is the politics of that because ultimately Reese is the manager and the decisions and you know he the, the buck stops with him. So I don't know how you balance the politics of that. And I guess the only we can kind of guess and we can speculate as fans, but I guess the only people that really know is Reese and Dicey themselves how well it's working. Um you know we had this support structure muted which is never really um came to fruition or if it was planned to be fronting Hutton then I'd be quite surprised at that so I still think we need somebody else maybe not necessarily making decisions but being able to react to what's happening in the game if he's saying himself there's things that he's seeing afterwards that he maybe couldn't react to during I don't see what harm it would do to have that support uh, and Sean, like taking the, the FC Edinburgh game as a, a case study for that, I think we were all shocked by the comments in the post-match <laughs> interview, uh, g- given that result. What, what was your take on it after, uh, after that one? Um, yes, I, I completely completely agree uh, with, with you there, Colin, and I, I agree with, with what everyone said, really. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things, you know, like um, in terms of not having a you know, an experienced head or whatever in the dugout. It's one of the, like it doesn't really matter when you're when you're winning, but you know, after the last few results, it is something that that has sort of raised itself as, as potentially being an issue. Um just, well, first of all, after the Edinburgh game, where yeah, like you say, um, I think if you had a well, if you had an experienced an experienced manager there or somebody a bit more pragmatic or prepared to um, you know, compromise their principles a little bit, um I'm not sure they would have. Edinburgh, Edinburgh would have won the game. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it would have ended up six 0 I mean, at the time, I was surprised. I mean, you had Taylor Sinclair, who I don't, I don't think had played yet. Um, you had him. Uh, Devaney was on the. Uh, Ewan Devaney was on the bench as well, and um, McMaster too, who I, I think's a, a more defensive-minded midfielder. So you had three players there that, that you could have brought on to try and just, you know, just see it out at three 0 or whatever, and you know, just you know. Take it on the chin, take it for what it is. But we were, you know, at the end of the game, there were still three forwards on the on the park. It was, uh, it was just a bit strange, really. Um, and it was either their fourth or fifth goal, like uh, for Dice lost it in, in their half, and it's like, why are you, why are you uh, made it quite in the game? Like, he, <laughs> it was, it, yeah, it was, it was mad. It was, it was just a, it was just a really bizarre game, and you, you kind of hoped it was just one of those freak results, and you're not going to see the likes of it again. Um, but yeah, I think certainly, you know, if 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 Ian Murray had been in charge, for example, I don't think that would have happened. I think he'd have, you know, um, whatever you think of Murray, I think he would have, you know, made some subs and 
been a bit more pragmatic on the day. And then, like what Colin was saying as well um, about Kelty, um, our, our midfield fell out of the game after 20 minutes. And, yeah, I find it hard to believe that, you know, if there was somebody on the sidelines that they wouldn't have made a change. I mean, I've, I must have shouted several times, you know, get Justin Devaney on or, you know, change something, just, you know, change something in the midfield because it, it needed to be done. I mean, again, there was three forwards on the park and you're like, you know, just take one of them off and bring Devney on, get someone else in the midfield. And you had McMaster again there as well. I mean, you know, it, 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 to, to, to not even try and to not even try and change it was was just bizarre. I thought when it was clear that the that the game was was being lost in, in that midfield. So, um, so yeah, um, definitely an agreement there. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes on Saturday, and we'll, we'll see what the yeah, we'll see what the reaction is. I, I've not listened to the I've not listened to the Open Goal podcast uh, yet, but um, certainly the, you know that actual the, the the division of labour on a match day it, it, it would be interesting to know more about that and who actually gets to make decisions um because certainly from i mean obviously you don't know when you're in the stand but certainly from what i've seen it uh, no disrespect to them but it doesn't really look like Prunty and hutton you know do an awful lot in terms of making substitutions or actually influencing the game or, or making decisions at you know at, in, in the moment so to speak um so yeah, it would be it would be interesting to know that and um certainly how that process works i mean at the at the Dunfermline game, um, you know, you had McCabe, you know, he, he took Jameson off, uh, you know, just before half time. So he obviously does have the capacity to to, to make substitutions in game that he thinks is going to help. So, you know, so I do find it strange that there that there wasn't more changes um during the during the Kelty game. And yeah, maybe somebody um maybe somebody on the touchline who's got a bit more autonomy would um would would make a difference there and like you say as well just you know maybe be a bit more pragmatic change up a little bit um at times when when you have to because you know i really like the football that we play and it's great to watch but but I, but sometimes well like what i was saying earlier with the defense i think we're, we, we, we're 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 really open at times and i think that's led to some of our struggles like you know like with for dice i think you know but, you know, he's under a lot of pressure because the way the team play and how open we are, it, it puts him and the rest of the defence under a lot of pressure. So, yeah, in terms of playing out from the back as well, obviously that's something that McCabe's, um, something that McCabe's committed to. And um, I think if we are going to do that, that's another reason why McCabe has to play at the back. Because if we're being frank, he's the only centre-half that can actually do it. Because, um, I mean, there was, uh, well, in the Edinburgh game and the Kelty game especially, like uh, for Dice was getting a lot of the ball and, I, to be honest, some of his like passing was it was just abysmal, like just long balls to absolutely nobody that was that was pointless. Um, so if we're go, if we are going to play out from the back and we, we're expecting a centre half to you know to um, start off moves and uh, try and cut them open, then it's it's got to be McCabe. I just like what we were saying there as well. Um, you know, um, playing out from the back, we have played ourselves into trouble. Quite, quite a few times actually. I think we've been quite lucky not to get cut out from it more often. Um, so, and, and from that perspective as well, if you if you had somebody again on the bench or somebody a bit more, I, I guess not as um, um, not not as committed to the one style of football, so to speak, yeah, then then possibly you know then potentially you could cut that out. I mean, you could still play it out from the back, of course, but you don't have to be so rigid 
to it, I guess, and and and, and play yourself into trouble when there's when there's no need to do it. Because Kelty almost, uh, Kelty almost scored from it on on Saturday uh, from one particularly um, bad pass, from what I recall. And like I say, just pointless. Like there's no need to, you know, there's no need to put yourselves under pressure. I agree. Colin, your job as a teacher I concur. Was, <laughs> your job as a teacher, Colin, was nurturing young people and, and seeing them learn. So we've got this young uh, manager uh, who's undoubtedly talented, got us to beat a St Mirren team who are flying high in the Premier League. So what, what would you like to see from Rhys McKay from something like a 6-0 defeat to Edinburgh or this bad run? What should he be doing to improve as a manager uh, and just kind of make sure that he's, he's learning from these experiences? I think he has to play centre-back because I, I think his ability to read the game, as the others have said, comes from that. I, I think him and Telfer can't play essentially in the same position. So him and for Dice. I'd be even tempted to play, <laughs> sounds silly, Ballantyne uh, a bit further up the park. He, he starts from so deep. I, I think he's a really, really good player. And he, I, don't, I think he made maybe one error last night. Uh, if he just had a, a messy light touch in the ball, he would have scored. Um, but I wonder if he should be playing Watson. Uh, right back and Ballantyne and they do the overlap between them they were able to do that when Watson was playing centre half so he needs to be uh, I was going to say they were less arrogant a few of the guys in my car said he comes across as I know what's best um, I'm not sure he, he, he wouldn't listen to us because none of us have played football at any great level but when you look at the game I think he reads it better as centre-back. That's what he should be. I mean, he'd be exactly right not to listen to that, I used to say, on, on football. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, I think I, I don't expect perfection from uh, a manager. I mean, I, I dreamed of. I dreamed that we were just going to go out and, and, and win the league. Uh, I think to win the league, you need to lose about five or six games the whole season. We're now up at three. So it's starting to look a lot less likely given some of the competition that he's up against in terms of Dunfermline and Falkirk and the budget that he's had to sign players I think playoffs is is fine but it's just uh, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, what, uh, maybe on his own confidence or just how he rebuilds the team uh, and whether that's tactical changes or just motivational tactics or whatever what he does from this kind of run a bad results uh, to, to just reinvigorate things. Anything else on, on McCabe? On your way, Matt? No, I was, I was, I was just going to say, I think that's a, a really valid point, though, is our fans setting their expectations at the right level. If you look at who we've got in the league, you know, you just mentioned them, Dunfermline, Queen of the South, you know, Falkirk have, have brought McGlynn in, which is probably the best thing they've done since they, they came down. Um, you can talk about whether or not they're a financial basket case at the moment or not um, but they probably have bigger budgets than we do um, in terms of signing players and, and who they've brought in so is it realistic to think that we're going to go and, and, and win the league personally for me I always set my expectations at the playoffs 
Um, And that's where I've set my expectations this year. Um, I think we came off such a phenomenal season last year that we maybe all come back and thought that it's just going to pick up from where we left off and we're going to be up there again. But I just think there has to be an expectation that He's going to make some mistakes along the way, and it's whether you're willing to stick it out. I don't, I don't think that he's he's arrogant. Um, I just think he's got a very clear kind of philosophy of what he wants to do and how he wants to play. Um, again, I wouldn't listen to me either if I was him. You know what what do I know? But um, he doesn't he doesn't strike me as as being an, an arrogant character at all. Um, and again, as I took off my point earlier, ultimately the, the buck stops with him. So can understand why he, you know, want to be fully accountable uh, for mean, the decisions that are made. My comment wasn't necessarily mine. It came from uh, someone else. So oh, backtrack, backtrack, Colin. You, but... say, you said that on here first. <laughs> but, but it concerned the post-match interviews. Yeah. That was what people were thinking. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I, they used to always say uh, the managers always say that it was disappointing. It was disappointing. It was disappointing. So I, th- I think it was that the the, the, the FC Edinburgh uh, thing was, and there was a game. Where, was it our broth where he, he didn't give us any credit? The players played quite well in that game, and he was going on about you know being brave and taking the ball. And some of the times this season, he's been the one. <laughs> Well, it hasn't quite uh, done the job. So I'm actually still quite optimistic. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, uh, interview me after a bad day at the office, I'll probably say yeah, something very yeah. differently a couple of days later. <laughs> yeah. So I tend to listen more to the extended interview that that comes um, midweek than read too much into what somebody says after 90 minutes when it's been maybe a tough result or a, a tough game. I've but that's to, just me. To, is that the Club 24 one? Because I've yet to listen to that, and I really should since I'm a member of uh, Club 1924. And I, and I said I would credit him, but um, Mr Duffy has pointed out um, that we are we do have the same amount of points at this stage, this season, as we, did, season. as we did last. Um, so I think, um, that's understandably, that's we made people are... Start last season. No, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> well, uh, you, you could say that, but I'm just going to say it's linked before. You know, all is yeah. not lost in October is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely not. And I think once, you, once you've listened to this podcast and listened to Reese McCabe on the Open Goal podcast, you should turn to the Falkirk Daft podcast. So to your point, Emma, on uh, Falkirk being... They are a financial basket case. They lost a million pounds last year. I mean, that would that, that would be the end of your dreams for the year where we lost as much. And the season before, they lost 700,000. And the season before, they lost 400,000. Uh, and they got a Sean you sent around their WhatsApp group, but there was an extract from an email that went to all fans, uh, kind of saying it's not fair if some fans are contributing to the Falkirk Supporters Society, which is similar to Club 1924, although leading to fan ownership. Uh, you all should be doing it by the end of October, so get your pledges in. Now, yeah, I saw that one, yeah. On the podcast, two of their directors come on, it's two directors who were fans and have just got involved rather than guys who have put money in trying to buy the club and they gave the full, I mean it's still a horrendous way to end that email uh, and they kind of, they did acknowledge that but they did read out the rest of the email uh, and 
it was quite refreshing in terms of they went into, I mean, they speak for about an hour with the two fans and they answer any questions that are asked to them. They give detail on. So when we're talking about budget this year, their board took the decision that we haven't done well enough, we haven't funded the team well enough, and they added £150,000 to the playing budget oh, right. to, let, oh. to let McGlynn go out and buy a couple of it or a few extra players. They maybe said as many as six. Now, that to me is bizarre when you're then asking for fans to contrib- contribute money to close a budget deficit. It doesn't sound particularly sustainable. But what I did like was just... There's a very clear message from the board as to this is what we're aiming for this year. We're shooting to win the league because Falkirk as it is can't survive uh, in uh, League One. And that's partly down to they rent the main stands from the council and they pay the same in League One as they would pay in the Premier League. And that's absolutely killing them, uh, as has just a lot of bad decisions <laughs> over the last few years. Uh, and to he your says point, chuckling. Yeah. But, and to, but to your point, I'm off. Like, what is the expectation, Adrian? I think that's where we could maybe do with a bit more clarity on. McCabe said, even in the open goal interview, oh yeah, yeah, we've got to try and win the league. But what what are we happy with, and what's what's our budget deficit, and would it help us if uh, with some sort of fan ownership scheme or, or like reinvigorate Club Nineteen Twenty Four and be clear about what it is you're trying to do? So I just I found it quite refreshing. Now, don't get me wrong, I would have our board over Falkirk's board in, a, in an absolute heartbeat because they've done everything wrong for a great number of years, whereas uh, since the takeover, things have really turned around on the pitch, and, and even this season we've had a few bad results, but the football's been really good to watch. Um, but I do think, I, I'm not absolutely clear on what we would see as success, nor how does our budget compare to Kelty's, because they did seem to have quite a lot of names, and we'd have taken Nicky Lowe and a second, given his performance against us yeah. early on. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I don't know what the expectation should be. I'd be happy with the playoffs, but I don't think from the fan reaction to the last couple of games, that's necessarily how everybody sees it. So, so I find that quite interesting. I think the playoffs is what I would expect this season. I, I think sometimes uh, some of the social media stuff is very often by people who are not at the games and who rely on uh, Twitter uh, reports, you know, every so often. Um, last season was just, it was so disappointing. So I, I think our expectations need to be toned down a wee bit. Uh, I'd be happy to be top four and do a, a Queen's Park. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say exactly the same. Um, I think the playoffs has to, well, ultimately, I think promotion has to be the aim, but that, you know, whether you win the league or the, the playoffs, but playoffs are probably more likely, I would think, based on uh, based on budgets and whatnot. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would certainly, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think as well. I mean, yeah, you get a lot of uh, comments on social media. I think that's the same for. I think that's the same for every team and every club. Yeah. yeah, I think so, and I think it's been the same for a while as well. Like I remember, Ian Murray used to always get it. You used to always get it tight and quite unfairly so. Um, I I fought for it, well in a lot of cases anyway. So, so I think that's always going to be the case when you get beat. There's always going to, or even when you win games sometimes as well. There's always going to be you know people you know unhappy or saying daft things you don't agree with. And, and we do have a unique situation with the. the- the player manager, player assistant manager that people are going to jump on yeah. straight away as that's what's not working. But actually, I think there's 
as we've discussed in this podcast, there's a lot more to it than that. And going back to what Colin said, it's just not quite clicked yet. And I think we've all gone back and forth chatting yeah. between ourselves and each other, just trying to figure out what that is. And I think as well, like last season, you know, you have to remember as well. I mean, we hardly lost the game after October, I think, last season. And we ended up with 74 points, I think. So, I mean, to do that two seasons in a row, probably, probably unlikely. It's probably not going to It's probably not gonna happen. So I think, you know, you have to have you have to have that perspective as well. And you have to take that into account um, that, yeah, last, last season was, well, it was brilliant up until the up until the playoff final, which was yeah uh, hugely disappointing. Still not really over it yet, to be honest. But um, um, so so yeah, I think you have to take that into account as well. That you're very unlikely to repeat those heroics where you get to the playoffs or not. And like Colin, I'd be very happy to you know draw half our league game, shit fest our way into the playoffs, and then win them. Yeah, but you have to see what Queens Park have managed to do this season. Well, the extra players right enough. I mean, I think they've taken a lot of people by surprise in the championship. And Cove are beginning to get their kind of home form together. So, interesting times in the championship. I think Owen Coyle is a very good manager. Uh, yeah. And that's making a, a big difference too. Okay, right. Well, we, we said we were trying to keep this light, which is which has probably been hard to do. So, some, some lighter things to finish. Uh, the Challenge Cup... I'll go to each of you, but but do you do you care about the Challenge Cup, uh, Colin? I'll start with you. Waste of time. <sighs> what ever since they ever since they brought the Colts and <laughs> the, yeah. the Colts and B teams and and mucking about. I mean, uh, uh, they've also wasted the the Scottish Cup as well. But yeah, no, the Challenge Cup should just be not for you, not for me. I went right enough, you know, but. Uh, to some extent, it was a waste of. I think it was, was it a, a twelve quid for Aloha? I mean, no, it was just more than that. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm a senior citizen, do you remember? So <laughs> I got paid eighteen quid. Uh, and a nonsense. Friday evening, uh, Emma. No. Challenge Cup to get you excited. Um, as a because I'm stubborn. This, as you guys know, I will not go and watch a B team. If we draw a B team, I will not go and watch Airdrie play at a youth team. I think they've just they have completely devalued it and messed it around but sitting in that stand on Friday night in Alwa I didn't want to lose that game I wanted to get through and get through oh, the next I, round I so um, yeah 80% head says no 20% of heart says yes Sean uh, well it's a bit like um, what we were saying earlier with the you know experienced head when you win you know it's great it doesn't you know it's great but when you lose you know um, you're not that you're you're not that bothered about it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I do like. Uh, well, I like the idea of it. I do think it is important that there is a that there is a cup that lower league teams can the lower league teams can win. But I agree as well that the the Colts things totally made a joke of it. To be honest, and like Emma, I, I, I won't attend any games if we play a, if if we were to draw a, a B team or Colts team or whatever you want to call them, I, I wouldn't go to that game. We had a discussion on a discussion in the way up last night as to how many uh, titles this competition has had. Uh, you know, B and Q Centenary Cup, but none of us could remember all the various <laughs> that there have been since. Uh, so that's a quiz question for uh, somebody else to pick yeah. up one. 
good quiz question. Uh, Bell's Cup, Ramsden's, but I'm then struggling. Was there, not, was there a Scottish Futures or something weird like that? Petrofy. Petrofy. Oh, I'd forgotten that one. One uh, by Race Rovers and then by Rangers, I think. The only thing I would say Sevco. is... The, <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to be controversial now. Uh, the four times that we've won it have been great days out. Uh, and the other thing I would quite like is if Airdrie were to get one of these foreign, as in Welsh or uh, Northern Irish or whatever teams, uh, then an away day there would could be really good because we're unlikely to get into Europe again anytime soon. So just having that kind of away trip could be worthwhile. But I, I agree, it's kind of well, the fact that you're playing Alwa for a fifth. Time uh, and yeah. it was Queen's Park last year, which ended up a ridiculous number of times. It, it isn't, isn't great. So I, I wasn't too disappointed when we lost. Albeit, well, one I hope we're saving ourselves to the league more than we that uh, we've done in yeah, the last two one, games. One of my uh, travelling companions felt that losing out in cups is a bad thing, and that they that they wanted us to to win these games and to treat them seriously. And I can kind of sympathise with that. I just think it's the authorities have got it all wrong. Yeah. Right. Cost of living crisis, he says, our odd levity and bring that into it as well. But the, there's been some chat that the league clubs are discussing should they bring kickoff times forward? Now, do two things. One, it'd be a bit like junior football in terms of you wouldn't need floodlights. And uh, with the price of electricity, that might save the. the the club's a whole load of money. It also, streaming's not happening this year for three o'clock kickoffs, but if you kicked off at 12 o'clock or one o'clock, uh, then you would be able to stream games as well. And I don't know whether the combination of streaming plus people through the gate uh, is better for clubs or not. But how wedded to sacrosanct 3 p.m. kickoffs are you? Or if the clubs thought it was the right thing to do, would you be okay with a 12 o'clock or a 1 o'clock winter kickoff uh, to save us using the, the floodlights? Emma, start with start with you. Are you stubborn about that one in the same way as you are about Colts teams? Uh, surprisingly, no. No stubbornness on this one. To be honest, I, I would be open to it. Um, doesn't bother me in any way, providing it's the right thing for the clubs to do financially. Um, obviously, we didn't have a choice during COVID but to buy the streams, but I don't know what potential impact that could be on other revenue. You know, if you're not getting fans in the gate, they're not spending money in the concessions. Um, I don't think we ever saw figures for the stream or ever heard what figures for the stream were. Um, so it's really difficult to comment on the kind of business sense of it um, but just in terms of a fan if it helps any club at any level through this then all for it John Yeah I would agree with Emma there um, I do like my 3pm kickoffs, but yeah, if it's economically the best for everyone and it's going to you know, save clubs money and well, uh, uh, potentially uh, potentially save them from, from financial trouble then yeah, it makes sense, and and I would I would be for that. Colin, we got a clean sweep. Yeah, I, well, I think I'm old enough to remember. I think two o'clock kickoffs uh, in the in the late fifties before the floodlights came in in Airdrie. Um, I can't I can't say I remember going to a game. I I think it's only economic sense because this problem will not go away. It may also reduce the the demand on the the energy sector, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
it might make it easier for the distribution companies uh, to actually cope and divert the electricity to the people who really need it. I mean, uh, professional sports. So I one o'clock when they, twelve o'clock when they worry me. Um, it mean my curry was delayed for another two or three hours. Fair enough, but uh, no, I think it makes it makes a lot of sense. I think the junior teams are right, um, and our clubs should be thinking about it and just let the the big clubs. Let them have their kickoffs are already moved all over the place. So, yes, yes, it's a yes from me. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's, it's your point of the clubs can decide whether or not that's because there's a few things being thrown into the mix. And look at Airdrie, I know they train midweek in the evening, so they have the floodlights on then. And I know that they upgraded the floodlights to make them more efficient. So, I don't know whether uh, the amount that you need to pay on extra utilities would be offset by a higher attendance and better hospitality and stuff at 3pm or, or not, I don't know. The club will have a view on it and uh, yeah, they, they need to make the, the right decision if it's even uh, up for, for discussion. Okay, so we, we, we might uh, see a bit of difference to football over the winter, but we'll wait and see how that one develops. Right, and finally, the new kit is almost here, being launched on Friday. Uh, it has been teased out. Uh, it was funny, the guy I was at football with, I was showing him this tweet where they had almost like the designers cutting board out and like showing you little bits of what colour the diamond's going to be and what the background material is. And he was just like, is that them, is that them making them? Because it was like on the, the designers. <laughs> board, which it, might, it might be as drastic as that, I don't know. Uh, it looks very clearly as if it's been heavily influenced by the 1992 Scottish Cup final strip with a bit of grey in the back uh, which Puma did a rerun off maybe about 2008 uh, so a, a nod to uh, something a bit nostalgic how excited do you get about uh, football tops or a massive delay in them arriving for the new season Colin we'll start with you uh, it- I buy maybe every fourth year um, I may I may actually buy this one this time, but I'll need the right size. Um, so ah, you get frustrated about delays, but that's that's the, the world of supply. Um, I think we've coped reasonably well with not having it. The diamond is important, without a doubt, because um, a lot of folk online were saying oh, what's happened to your diamond. Um, so uh, it's been explained. Uh, so yes. I think I would buy it this time, despite the cost of living crisis. <laughs> I've got my winter fuel allowance coming in, okay? Is, so. it, is, that, is the curries I'm worried about, Colin? I hope they're not having to get cut on a, a Saturday evening. Uh, yes, Emma. We're, we're, we're just the one main meal now. <laughs> uh, Emma? I, I don't really buy a lot of the, the kits, although I did buy this season's third kit because I quite like the, the blue. Um, I'll maybe buy them for Leah or present for... For David, but um, I'm mainly excited about it because it's um, it means the new season's coming back, and obviously we can. Uh, it's all part of that build up, um, more than the actual. I'm not really a, a strip collector or connoisseur in that way, so um, yeah, I guess that was what I missed that as part of the build up to the season. Um, but still, really looking forward to seeing it. And as Colin said, it's a really important part of the identity, and it's not the same seeing them playing the the red and white stripes. I'm not for me. It. It was fine when we were winning games. I've got a bit less uh, enthusiastic about them. Funny that how <laughs> some strips become cursed, isn't it? Uh, Sean, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with um, what, what what all you guys have said. Um, yeah, the the red the the red diamond. Um, it's 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 an iconic kit. It's probably well, 
yeah, well, I would say Scottish football is most iconic kit anyway. Um, and it, 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 it yeah, it's it's it, it's a great kit, and what one that I always look, I always look forward to, to to seeing what they do with it, especially the last few years. I think Football Nation have done a or uh, Football Nation and Umbro have done a really good job um, with, with the actual design of the kits. Wasn't too keen on the yellow uh, third one, but other than that, mm. I, I think they've done a great job. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I hope the team will have it on Saturday. I'm not too sure if they will, but hopefully hopefully the team hopefully the team do have it on Saturday and I, I yeah I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it'll be nice as well I do like the you know, I, I like the Prague uh, strip design obviously from then and then the one that they did the one that Puma did um, a, a few years ago so so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and yeah, it'll be nice to actually be playing in a proper kit and also not have to you know get embarrassed when you explain to folk why they're not playing in the diamond. I'm- are we yeah, the only my, team in Scotland my, in this position at the moment? Does everybody else have their home kits? Well, Clyde's strip looks dreadful. But is that a dreadful new one? Is that, is that, a dreadful, is that on a dreadful purpose? Old one? <laughs> my friend who goes in the car with me, um, he became an Airdrie supporter because of the diamond strip. His, his father had kind of old firm connections, but they took him in the Airdrie game and he was... He just thought this is the sparkling, you know, under floodlights, etc. He's younger than me. <laughs> uh, so I think it's really important. I've got a selection of programmes here with possible uh, kits that you said you might like to see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can see that. See, um, can you see this one? Am I showing it right? Ah, there you are. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not great for a podcast, okay. but it's the uh, third... I know. It's Airdrie versus Hamilton Aki's. It looks like it's Alex Ray potentially in an Aki's jersey. Lovering and Airdrie Airdrie jersey. Alec Neal Neal and Paul Lovering. Alec Neal, sorry. Uh, And And then here's another one. It's a third third kit which we only had because Aki's were unhappy that they had to wear their away kit because we had a a white home and a red away. So we came out with this navy blue third top. And uh, then for the. As Willie for, McLaren now in the viewers, it's Willie <laughs> McLaren and uh, White Diamond on the red. Uh, White Diamond on the red, then, I thought was really good and hasn't been done. I, I like that one as well. I love then, the I love the black with the grey diamond. I love that. Jim Valentine's possibly the best one. Uh, I don't know if you can quite see this. Oh, it's the uh, it's it's the German it's, train it's of the soldiers Wehrmacht. being waved away on the remembrance program. Which, <laughs> in fairness, surely if remembrance is about war is futile, so on all sides we should be sympathetic. That got an, an awful lot of coverage, which I thought was not when in the middle. Was it? What's a simple when mistake. In the middle, I don't know if you can see this. In the middle, it's you know the the Allied armies. Or the, I think it's the British uh, sappers putting down the railway line. I don't know if you've finished the podcast or not yet, but uh, I have about 80 programmes uh, varying from things over the last uh, 10, 12 years that I am. Um, I've cleared the loft. So if anybody's interested in Airdrie United and various other programmes, I've got loads here. I'm sure people will be in touch. Colin Campbell is on Facebook and you will find him if you can work out his uh, username on Pie and Bovril as well. Uh, yeah, we're just about finished. I think on, on strips, my, I've made this plea on uh, to Gordon Watson, who's on the board and uh, on Facebook. But next year is 100 years since the Scottish Cup win. So I hope they pull something together that's uh, that harks back to 
to our greatest victory. And either, I don't know whether it's a special top that you wear in the Scottish Cup games or whether it's for the whole season, we should be looking back to 1924 and coming up with something pretty special. Uh, that would excite me. I hope they do something wider than just the strips as well, yeah. you know, in terms of what that is in the club's history. But yeah. we'll see. On the, way up last night to, sorry, Emma, on the way up last night, to, we were discussing the Scotland's top top ten goal scorers because uh, apparently John McGinn has just come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and which member of the nineteen twenty four team is still in the top ten Scotland goal scorers? I presume it was Hughie Gallagher or Bob McPhail. Uh, Hughie Gallagher. Hughie Gallagher. So you see the interesting discussions we have <laughs> passing away two and a half hours to Montrose. <laughs> very good. Right, guys, I've kept you for a very long time, so thank you for your input. Uh, hopefully, next time we go on, it'll be against some some better results. But uh, yeah, like just back the team. Hopefully, the, the results improve and that this new jersey is going to be a lucky one. And we'll, we'll see if, if our points total at the end of the season is as good as last year's. Then uh, that's the, the the statistic I'd like to see. I'm not. I'm not yeah, yeah. Uh, convinced on that up until this point, but but yeah, let's uh, let's roll them on on Saturday. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Here's then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. No more sorrow.